One, you're welcome. My name is Keith Robertson, the pastor here, and uh, we're glad to have you. And um, it means a lot to us that you're here this morning. I know it takes a lot of guts to come to a new church on a Sunday morning, and so we're thankful that you're here. We'd love to be able to bless you, and the way we do that is in your pew back. You'll see this connection card. You can grab that card and uh, fill it out. And um, after you fill it out, at the end of the service, right in this foyer, right back over here is this tiny foyer, we do have a welcome table. And we have an, we have an opportunity just to give you a gift, a small gift, just a way, a way of saying thank you. Thank you for being here. Give me an opportunity to just say hi to you this week. We promise we won't bombard you with emails and communications, but I do just want to take a chance to say thank you for being here. So uh, please take that opportunity. Uh, you guys are a part of the family. You can get ready to worship Jesus through tithes and offerings and we're about to have our guys come down, and uh, we love being able to do this here. We know that one of the great expressions of worship, I would say, especially in our culture, is by saying, God, we trust you for provision more than jobs and uh, promotions and all those things. God, we know that you're the king that owns everything. So we love being able to declare that through tithe and offering, and, uh, and, so, and I just want to say thank you uh, to our people for how you faithfully give uh, so that we can accomplish the mission that God's given to us. You guys can go ahead and come forward to receive that tithe and offering. This is a convenience for the people that call this place home. And so if you're brand new, you don't need to feel uh, any obligation. We don't do obligation giving here. We just do it out of the overflow of what God is doing in us. And so we're thankful uh, for our people that do that. Thank you to our family that's a part of that. Um, we have a few things that we want to have uh, in front of everybody, especially as the fall semester uh, ramps up. Anybody excited for this return of school? Anybody? Yeah. All the parents maybe who have been housing all the kids all summer long, maybe you're a little juiced, but uh, we're, we're glad for that. But there's stuff that's happening uh, over the next few weeks we want you to be aware of. First and uh, foremost, this coming Sunday is uh, our next membership class. I say class, it's actually membership lunch. Uh, we want you to come and, and eat with us and learn about our church and what uh, the mission and vision that God has given to us as a church here, where we're going. We'd love for you to be a part uh, of that. If you're interested in just being a part of the family, then we want you to come. We do need to know that you're coming. It's helpful to know. I mean, you can just show up if you want to. We won't kick you out, promise. But uh, it is helpful to know that you are coming. So one, we can have enough food for you. And two, uh, we can have kids ministry available for your kiddos. And so there's a name, should be a name up there. Oh, can you flip back to membership? Thank you. Uh, Mary at New River Fellowship. If you'll just shoot that email over to her and let her know you're coming, then, uh, then that allows us to make sure we take care of you. So we'll look forward to that. That's lunch. However, on that Sunday morning of this coming Sunday is, uh, we're calling it Vision Sunday. And it's just, we want to take an opportunity to hit, hit the pause button to speak into several things that are going on with our church, where God is taking us. And uh, we think it'd be life-giving for you, even if uh, somebody new is showing up here and you're going, uh, how does Vision Sunday relate to anyone? We believe God has a big, big, big vision for this church, what we're meant to be in this community, and then how you are meant to be a part of it. And so uh, we want you to come, and we want you to invite people to come to uh, church this next Sunday as we kind of expound on what God is doing in and among us uh, and where we're headed in the days to come. Lots of exciting things going, so we want you to be a part of that. So next Sunday, Big Sunday, Vision Sunday, and then we'll have our membership class afterward. If you come to the class, you don't have to become a member. Uh, you're welcome to come hear about what we're doing, and then you can continue to pray into uh, whether or not this is supposed to be your covenant church family. And then also, we want to let you know that uh, uh, we have several student hangouts coming up uh, <clears throat> and over the next couple of weeks. So we have bunches of fun stuff, 
pool parties, hangouts, all kinds of exciting stuff coming up. We'll be letting you know about that, emailing that out to you. So if you're not getting our uh, regular communications, you need to let us know. You can grab one of those connection cards and say, I'm not getting the communications. We want to get that. Uh, and that allows us to communicate with you about all the stuff that's coming up uh, soon. And then finally, you need to put this in your calendar. I, you're already not busy. I'm telling you, you're not busy because uh, August 30th is going to be a big time opportunity to ask God to shift the spiritual atmosphere of Nashville. And uh, we really believe that God is doing something prophetically powerful uh, in this city. And so we're going to come together across denominational lines, across all kinds of uh, racial lines, and we're just coming before the Lord. Michael uh, W. Smith is going to be help, helping lead that night. Uh, several other pastors are going to be engaged, and we're just going to worship and pray. And we're asking God to come and change and shift the spiritual atmosphere of our city to awaken people for God's presence to come and fall all over Nashville. We want you to come be a part of this. We want you to tell people about it, invite people to come. It's going to be at Bridgestone. I wish we could host it here. It would be amazing. We could fit the whole city in this room. It would be awesome, but we can't. So we're going to go to Bridgestone uh, Arena, but you want to put that on your calendar. Make sure that you've got that. Uh, we want you and your kids to be a part of that night. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be telling you more about that in the days to come, but Go ahead and get that on uh, your calendar. All right, if you are here and you're here, uh, you're here, so grab a Bible. You're going to need a Bible. So grab one on your phone, or uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one near you. On the pew back, you need to turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, we are finishing our series. We took the entire summer uh, to go through the uh, book of Nehemiah. We're finishing out uh, this series this morning. And then when you came in, you were given a worship guide. On the very back of that worship guide is a set uh, of notes. If you like to fill in the blanks, then this is the church for you. Uh, and you can uh, fill in the blanks. Or if you just need space to doodle, that works as well. But whatever it is that you need to do to engage your mind, I want you to jump in with us. But we want you to be able to investigate the word uh, for yourself uh, as we jump into it. So Nehemiah chapter 9, and then the back of your notes if you want to follow along. Uh, with me this morning. I'm going to pray for us and just ask God to be here. Um, and then we're going to dive into the word. Father, I thank you that um, you're here. I thank you that you're here to speak. And the truth is, is we are not here to hear from any man or pastor. We're actually here to hear from your Holy Spirit. We're here to receive your word because in it is life. And uh, we're going to be the first to say this morning, your truth is everything. Your word is everything. And we want it to come and penetrate our heart and have its way in us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to throw out several words, and you don't even have to respond, but I just want you to think about what you think or feel when I say these words, okay? So I'm going to throw out a word, and you're going to have, you're going to have a thought come in your mind. All right, uh, puppies. Puppies. So many cute smiles out there. All right, puppies. Hitler. Okay, kind of took a dark turn. I understand. Just stay with me. Fishing. 
Humidity. So much of it. Murder. Spring break. Yeah, there was a giggle. Somebody was loving that. Two-inch thick ribeyes. Think of that. Somebody's worshiping right about now. All right. This is the understatement of the year. Words have meaning. Words have meaning. And it don't just mean that uh, it's, there's a definition to every word. What I mean is that uh, words conjure up emotions. Words have feelings attached to them many times, and they can be different for everyone. In fact, same word can mean different things to different people. If I say tickets to the ballet, some of you are like, you know, like you want to, and then some of you are like, oh, Lord, please, no, just, I just, I need a football or something, but don't, don't make me do that, that, that. Words have me, they mean different things to different people all the time. And we see it all the time. Now, if you were to say to me, renovate your kitchen, I'm thinking, mercy, Lord. This, okay, so what, what is this going to cost? And, and, and how long is it going to take to do that? And can I make it through this without killing any kids? Or just like, what can we, what, what can we do to get through when, I, when you say renovate kitchen, I just start thinking of all the things that have to, have to be done. We did that uh, this past year, and, and, uh, and my wife and I are still married, and it's awesome. Um, if, I, if you say renovate your kitchen to my wife, all right, her eyes light up, all right? And she actually will start dancing like a ballerina all over the place, and she starts singing, the hills are alive with the sound of music. It's just, that's what happens. You said same verse, same words, same concept, but completely different meanings to different people. That's true of every human being. But what we can't get away from the fact is that words, they have meaning in our lives. They're important, and words actually have the ability to shift the realities of our lives. Proverbs chapter 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the scripture actually says that words carry significant weight. For the word to say that death and life are in the power of the tongue, it means that actually words have significant meaning, and words are able to shift the realities of our lives. You can be having a great day, and one word can drop you in a moment. One word. So I, honestly, it's why the issue of bullying, cyberbullying, has become such a hot-button topic, right? Words express venomous words from someone about or to another person have been life all We've seen people take their own lives over the issue of words. We thought about that. That's how powerful words can be. And if that's true, then what we say out loud actually matters. What we say out loud matters. That there aren't any words that we utter throughout the day, whether we're by ourselves or around other people that don't have power attached to it. I don't know if you've actually thought about that, but the words that are spoken 
whether you're with people or not, actually have power in them. And this is what we see uh, throughout Scripture. People have died because of words spoken. Words can be weapons of mass destruction. Holocausts have been launched over, and wars have been launched over words. Deaths of relationships, families, friendships, churches, careers, future hopes, all of that stuff has been killed before just by words. But in the same turn, life can come from a word spoken. Proverbs 15 says that the tongue can be a tree of life. You can reconcile with words. You can make peace. It's what Jesus says, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, meaning that those that are able to utter words of life and peace are blessed. Words can make marriage life-giving again. A family strong or churches healthy. All of that is true with words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's amazing. I, I don't know that we've ever calculated how important words that we speak are. The things that we say out loud and the ramifications that they have in our lives. I remember I was sitting in my office one day. This was uh, the church that I was at previously in, in West Texas, in Abilene, Texas. I, uh, my wife and I had uh, come on staff there. I was a college pastor for a few years, and um, the, the senior pastor, he came into my office, and he sat down, and he said, hey, uh, one of our uh, senior-level pastors, the, is the, one of our guys who pastored over all of our adult ministries, he said, God's called him to go do marketplace ministry. He's supposed to start a kingdom-minded business in agriculture. And so he's stepping out of the church to go pursue what God's called him to do. And he looked at me and he said, he said, we believe that God's given you the leadership to be able to take his role. And we think that there's a, 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 an anointing on you to be able to jump. And so what I was leading is a few hundred college students uh, would end up being overseeing uh, thousands of adults in our church. And I, and I remember thinking, I don't, do you got the right guy for this job? I don't know that this is a wise thing to do. But what he told me and what he said to me was life altering. I can actually, to this day, I'm in that moment and I'm sitting across the desk from him and his words to me, I can feel it in that moment. That's how powerful. And I, and I just began to believe and started pray into that what he said was actually true. And I was meant to step into a new level of leadership because of what he had seen and what the elders of the leadership of our church had seen in me. It was so powerful. It shifted the way I even saw myself. This is what comes from words. We all have, you might even can be thinking of pivotal moments in your own life where somebody sat across from you and either spoke a word of life to you or they spoke a word of brokenness or death over you and how devastating it was. We can all capture those moments where words have penetrated deep inside of us, both good and bad. And it happens all the time. 
And I don't know that we're fully aware of what takes place when that happens. When words go out, when we speak words. This is the moment that we find ourselves in in Nehemiah chapter nine. As we've been going through this series here, we set this up, that God gave a man a vision to see something renewed, restored, and rebuilt. And that 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 truth wasn't just true for Nehemiah, it's true for every one of us. That I'd say every person, as sure as I look you in the eyes, every person in this room has a destiny and calling on them, and you are meant to shift spiritual realities. There was something that you were supposed to be a part of to help rebuild, renew, and restore, and that God gives us a vision for, but it's so far beyond anything that we could possibly do. And so Nehemiah stepped into that, and he went to, uh, back to Jerusalem, he was exiled uh, with, uh, under the Babylonians, under the, their leadership, and then uh, he, he goes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and all the, he rebuilds the walls, and all the people come back, and they're stunned. They start reading the truth of God's word. The people are completely stunned by the power of who God is. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked, so when that happened, man, they were falling apart, and Nehemiah said, no, we're going to live under the joy of the Lord, right? I don't know if you, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, he said, the joy of God is going to be our strength. I want you to party. That's what he said to them. And so they partied for a minute, and here they are. Okay, God's done this work of restoring. God's finished and accomplished this work. But how many of you know that after God does something really big in your life, there's a Monday morning coming, Right? There's like a Monday morning where you got to wake up and live in the reality of whatever it is that God's doing, and you're going, how am I going to walk this out? That's where the people of God are at in Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter uh, 9. I want you to be able to take uh, a look at this with me. We're just going to read the first few verses together. Nehemiah chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. Now, on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled and they're fasting in sackcloth and with earth on your heads, meaning this is their ritual of coming before God and just saying, We've been, and we're completely undone by your goodness. We're seeing how far we've run from you and, and how much you're calling us back into. Verse two, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Yeshua and Bani and Kadmiel and Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Shanani, and I wish that I knew all these words. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. The Levites and these men said, stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. So here's the declaration over the people. That's what they're saying, the worship leaders. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You've made, the, you made heaven the heavens of heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. 
You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and you made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise for you are righteous. Now we'll stop here. Here's what's happening. Brand new day in the lives of the people. How are we going to forge this path? And the way that they begin to step into what God has for them for the next days are by using powerful words, by declaring. They're letting the truth about who they are and about who God is begin to define the next days in front of them, that the truth of God come rolling off of their tongue. And so here's how God's people, I want to show you, just we'll break this down. Here's how God's people uh, use to shift this reality as they're about to step into it. You can throw this up on the screen. Listen, first of all, they agreed with God that they had a desperate need for him. All right, they agreed with God that they had a desperate need for who he is. They spoke the truth of God's word over their lives, and then they worshiped and magnified God's greatness. All right, so they agreed with God about what he was saying. All right, they began to just declare the truth of God's word, and then they began to just worship and they magnified God's greatness. But all of this is taking place. Everything that's moving forward is happening with words coming out. They're actually declaring truth. They haven't taken one step. They haven't done one thing. But the way that the, their future is going to unfold is happening because of the words that they're speaking. Now, I want to unpack each one of these, okay? So they've seen God accomplish his promises. And in fact, by the way, if you've ever wanted just like a quick, awesome synopsis of the Bible, of the Old Testament up until the point of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9 is your chapter. You read the rest of the chapter, it's going to literally uh, give you the Reader's Digest version of everything that God has done in the lives of the people. All right, so this is your homework, okay? Uh, now, all the adults, all right, students, you're fixing to have a whole bunch of homework. So now, students, you get to hold your parents accountable. You get to say, right, did you read Nehemiah chapter 9? This is your homework. Read Nehemiah chapter 9, and here's what it's going to tell you over and over. The people of God had an amazing covenant with God, and then they messed it up, and they broke it, and then he, was gracious, he graciously spanked their tails, and then he, they, called him back, they called him back, they returned to him, and then they walked away again, and he lovingly, graciously spanked them and brought them back, and then he received them again, and he continued to over and over. They kept blowing it, and God keeps restoring them, right? And so this is, there's no different. This is literally the story of the Israelites, and by the way, it's our story. Our story, and he's drawing the people back to them, and they're, how are we going to forge this new path? And this whole path is going to be forged by the words that they speak that not a step's going to be taken until these words are declared. And so they've seen God do what he said he would do. He's totally and completely restored the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's been rebuilt. Almost 45,000 people have come back. People are coming back, and they're responding to God, and then they begin to do what only we can do whenever we see the goodness of God and we see how far off that we've come from him. We just begin to 
confess. This is what they do. They begin to just confess the places that are broken inside of them. Just begin to be honest with God about what's going on. And they, they become introspective about their families. They don't, they're not just saying, hey, this is the stuff that has been messed up in me. But then they start looking at their family history and they're going, here's ways that our families were broken and some of this has fallen on us. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Well, I, I know, you know you've done this before because uh, uh, if you're married in this place, it is... And undoubtedly happen, uh, you have gotten into a, uh, an argument with your spouse, and one of you said something to the effect of, you're just like your mother, all right? And that was a bad idea. Everybody's figured out that that's the wrong way to go about having one of those conversations, and if you, if you tend to use that in one of your arguments, let me just say, don't do that. Bad idea, Okay. But, you, but what you meant was, is I've seen something generationally in your family, and it looks like it's landed on your face. That's what it looks like. That's what you feel like when you're in the, no, when you're in an argument. You know what I'm talking about? You guys, some of you are like, so stoic, whatever. All right. Be real. Okay? And what you're looking at is you're going, I've seen, we've had, I've had dinner with the in-laws, and you, you got some of that mess on you. And, and that's what they're, ta- they're talking through that. And they're going, listen, is it, this isn't just us and our messes. We've got a history of messes behind us. I, one, one of the big things that Megan and I have been, one of the, things, the steps we've taken at times, as we've literally, we've walked, or one, we stopped doing the whole, you're just like your mother. That's, we don't do that in argument. But by the grace of God, one of the things that we've even had to do is we've walked around our house literally in and around the perimeter of our house, just breaking off stuff from generational parents, grandparents, and beyond, and just saying, this stuff isn't going to have a hold on us anymore. We were just saying out loud, all right? We can't change anything that has happened with our parents or grandparents, but one thing we do know is we're going to be real about the things that were broken, and we're going to get it out in front of the Lord and say, this isn't going to have a hold on us anymore. And so this is what the people of God are doing. They're coming before God and they're just saying, here's the stuff that's not right in me. Here's the stuff that isn't uh, lined up with truth. Here are the lies that I've believed. Here is the junk from my past. Here is the stuff that goes even back to my family and we're getting it out in front of you. Now, I wanna make a note on this issue of confession, right? Because this idea or the concept of confession is kind of like a little bit scary, when we talk about confession, we typically think of like some big, like overwrought, like confess all of my deepest, darkest secrets. It feels scary and it feels like overwhelming to confess because we all know the junk that we have inside, even the stuff that nobody else knows about. We know the stuff that we wrestle with inside. And we go, I don't, man, confession, that sounds a little bit scary. But let me just say, Confession is simply getting before God and you're agreeing with God about what he says he is and about who you are without him. Confession is simply the process of saying, God, I'm agreeing with you about what you say is right and true and how far off I have gotten away from what is right and true. How far off I have uh, walked away or found myself... uh, um, apart from your heart and what you want to do in me. That's what the people are doing. I've seen how far, 
how far short I've fallen. And I want to be honest with you about it. And I'm just, I'm agreeing with you that my life is messy. This is what the people have got to do. I'm agreeing with you that there are things in me that aren't okay. And there are things that need to be shifted and transformed. And I'm coming before you. And listen, here's what I'm saying. Is I'm, I don't want to align my heart and my life with false, uh, false things or lies. And, but I do want to align my heart with truth. Now, I want to align myself so that it has no power over me. Now, I want you to hear this. It's one thing to quasi-confess some things in your brain, to acknowledge some things. Listen to me carefully. It is an entirely different thing for you to say it out loud. To get what's going on inside of you that's not right, that is messy, and to get it out in the light. And I'd say that it's powerful to say it out loud so that you can actually deal with it. I don't, I don't know if you ever played those mind games before. My, my fact is because you're human, you've played these games before. But it is absolutely the easiest thing to know there's something going on, but it's easy to bury it way, way, way in the back. But when you say it out loud, now you have an opportunity. You've got to deal with the fact that either I'm operating under lies and brokenness, or I'm operating under the truth of what God says. And this is, these are the two realities that I've got in front of me. And when you say it out loud, you actually have to be confronted with that. Now, I think it's powerful to say it out loud before the Lord, but I'd say this. It's even more powerful to find a buddy and get with them and say, hey, man, here's something that's going on inside of me, and I need to be honest with you about it. And unfortunately, this is, what's, this is what feels so tragic to me that somehow in church history, we made it bad to have wrong or bad stuff inside of us, meaning we came into church and you need to have your pretty dress on and you need to smile really big and you need to sing really loud, but you sure as heck can't be honest about the yuckiness going on inside of you. When in fact, the whole point of the church was us to be able to come around, be honest about our stuff and lift each other up. This is the whole point of the church. The reason we exist is that God is amazing. We've all figured out that we're not, and we're in desperate need of his transforming work in us through his spirit. This is what God wants to do. So I'd say this. If you got a bunch of junk going on, you don't have anybody that you can be real with. You need to get better friends, or you need to start being actually real about life. You need to find some friends that you can be real with and say, I've got some broken stuff that, and you, that you can be real with. And, and, and I, again, if, if the church seems like a, an unsafe place to you, will God change and transform that in us here? I ask that. But there's power in getting this stuff out and just saying, this is the broken stuff in me. Because here's the truth. Hiding stuff in the darkness doesn't make it go away. And by the way, God isn't fooled in any way, form, or fashion by it either, right? Psalm 139 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings 
of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. What King David is saying is, I've had a bunch of dark stuff in me. I've got a bunch of things that aren't right. He was a bad dad in many ways. We, everybody knows about the, all the, you know, if you've grown up in church, you know about the, the, the sin stuff and, you know, adultery and premeditated murder. And we know about all those kind of things. He had a host of issues. And one, the one thing he became keenly aware of is, I got things in me that are not lined up with truth. And God, I need you to change this. And I know this, pretending like it's not there or living in the dark isn't going to fix it. And the people of God have come undone here in Nehemiah. They've come undone and they're going, how do we forge a path forward? And they know it's time to be honest with God. It's time to get the stuff out, to confess, to be real, and to begin to then declare the truth. That's what he wants us to do, to agree with him for who he is and what he's doing, saying, God, what you say is right and what I've been doing maybe is wrong and I'm asking you to forgive me, to clean me, make me whole and right. And then here's what they do. The minute they do that, the minute they do that, here's what they do. They take the word of God and they just begin pleading it over themselves. All right, because it's one thing to say, I got a bunch of messy stuff. It's an entirely different thing to say, God, now would you put your truth in me? You can look, look there at verse three. Look three. They stood up in their place. So they've been confessing and saying, God, here's all the stuff that's not right. Here's the stuff that I'm wrestling through. Here's the stuff that's broken in me. And then they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And for another quarter of the day, they made confession and then they worshiped the Lord their God. See, declaring truth is critical to being aligned with God's heart. Declaring truth is critical. You can throw that up there on the screen. Declaring truth is absolutely critical to getting our hearts aligned with him. It's one thing to say, man, I've got some things that are not right. It's an entirely different thing when we start declare, just say, speaking God's truth over us. And I'm gonna tell you, in a world that hates the idea of truth, there's, there's nothing more powerful than grabbing the truth and just beginning to say it out loud. Just speak it out to declare it over us. This is who you are. This is who you say I am in you. I love it. We sing that song often. I am who you say I am. We, that's such a powerful truth. Like I'm just saying, I am who you say I am, not who I feel like I am on a Monday morning, but who you say I am in such a powerful way for the work and the life of God to begin to move inside of us by just speaking it out, just by what we say, what we say out loud. It has such meaning. It has such power. Some of you, let me just, some of you feel like you're in a cruddy moment of life. You might find yourself really battling through some things. There's nothing more life-sustaining than the word of God. There, there's not another anchor to your soul. You can have friends, 
You can be in a great church, but let me tell you, there's nothing more transformative. There's nothing that will anchor your soul when you're walking through a storm of life than, than just saying out loud the word of God. Declare, I mean, declaring it, saying, God, this is who you are, and this is who you say I am, and no matter how I feel, I'm not budging. I'm not going to be moved by the waves. I'm going to believe what you have to say about me. There's something so powerful about speaking something even by faith when we don't feel it. And this is what the people of God have begun to do. They're standing up and they're declaring the word. And they're letting the word wash over a full quarter of the day, just the word washing over them. And they begin to respond. When the storm of life comes in, speak the word, just say it. Begin to declare the word of God. Because here's the deal. If the, if the word, if words have power, then speaking God's truth out loud becomes a non-negotiable. It's not, this is not an option. What I'm saying to you is this. If you want to be anchored in this life through every up and every down, through every mountaintop and every valley, being real with God and declaring his word is a non-negotiable act. And when I mean declaring, I mean saying it out loud. I don't mean sitting in your cute awesome, like comfy chair and having sweet, quiet time and reading over it. I mean, saying it, I mean, I mean, literally getting it out of your mouth out loud, saying it out loud, putting it out there in the atmosphere. I'm believing this truth and I'm declaring it. I'm saying it, even if I don't feel it, believing that when we do this, God shifts realities. If there's death and life and the power of the tongue, then there's something significant to saying it out loud. And I just want to encourage us to be a people. This isn't, a, this isn't like a good idea. This is a non-negotiable act. It really is. This is something that we've got to get into uh, the system of our lives. And I've, I've, I've had to be even encouraged to do more of it. And uh, let, me just, let, me, let, me, let me just meddle a little bit, just to hear it a little bit. Some of you guys are complainers, right? You just... You just naturally kind of complain. And then some of you are judgers, right? I say you. Some of us, I'll put myself in there. Some of us are complainers. You just, you know, you're naturally bent toward complaining. Like can't ever, you wake up in the morning and everything's like groggy and you're not sure if life should go on anymore. And, you know, just like you feel like everything's just like not good enough. You complain. And then some, some of us are like judgers. And then some of us are both. And we'll just, we have a prayer group for you on the, on the side, okay? So we'll just have that ministry. But, but you understand, like, some we're naturally oriented towards either judging or complaining. And what we tend to have are thoughts that are twirling around in our heads first thing in the morning. And, and by the way, let me just say this. Some, those, some of the complainers, it's because you see there's stuff that's, there are problems and you want to fix stuff, right? You know that there's stuff that's not right and you want to fix it. The problem is it's just the, the orientation to just want to be like, oh, the word's horrible and it's not okay and I need to, everything needs to be fixed. And what the, what the word does when you speak the word out loud is it gives you fuel to fix the stuff that you want to see fixed out of the truth of God's heart and not out of the lack that you feel. Does that make sense? Meaning uh, it's easy to complain about lots of things in life and what God wants to do is he wants to go fix and change and transform things all through our lives. He wants to do that all the time. But listen, it's gonna come from the power and truth of his word. 
and I've had to confess many times where I want, I'm either in a place of judging or complaining. Um, and I know that God wants us to operate out of, with the engine of his word in our hearts. That's what he wants to do. And so that's what he's called us to do. It's what he's called us to be. There's death and life in our words. So we can succumb to death or we can create life. I don't know if you ever thought about that. The ability to create life. And so and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up real quick. And we're just gonna finish with this. Um, but here's the deal. So they, they begin to just confess and they're honest with the Lord. Then secondarily, they begin to speak the word of God. They read the word of God. They declare the word of God. And then they, and then they just begin to worship. They just begin to lift their voices. They sing, they have worship leaders. The Levites come out. And as they're doing this, they just begin to speak the word of God and they're doing it with boldness. And they're singing. And I love this. And, and this is something that, and let me just put it this way. Um, man, I, I don't think, I feel like I'm, I can say this with a, a, a decent amount of confidence. Sunday should not be the only day you're singing something about Jesus. Sunday shouldn't be the only day. And I'm, I'm, I'm by the way, the world's worse. So I'll just be, confess, like when I get in the car, and I used to be like Mr. Sports Radio. It's like, I, you know, I just need to know what the trades are that are going on and who's gonna be playing, you know, like quarterback for the, and it's like, the truth is, that's great, but there's a moment where we just need to maybe turn this stuff on and just sing, just declare. It, whether Maybe you're not a singer, because some of you are going, man, my voice is horrible. I don't, I don't really think I should be singing that much. But the truth is, is God made you the way you are, so it's, that's his issue, all right? But you probably should be singing. Or just declaring, or maybe you're a poet, or whatever, however it is that you need to do, but the, the word of God needs to come out in worship and just saying, God, you're good, regardless of the circumstance or regardless of what I'm walking through. And I just... I want to say it out loud. And so that's what we're meant to be, is just to declare it, to get it out in front of us, no matter what we're walking through. And so we want to worship. And so here's what I want you to do. You guys stand with me. We're just going to take one minute. And we're just going to ask for God's presence. We just have a few minutes here. We're not going to stay long. But I want you to hear this. I'm not talking about some kind of magic thing. I mean that the word says that there is power when we release worship. That God can shift realities when we speak truth. And so my question for you is what would happen if we actually believe that? What would happen in our lives if we believed that when we sang or when we declared or when we spoke the word of God, that we were shifting realities, that we're changing the atmosphere. That we're, we have life, we can literally create life with our words, that we can come against death, that we can see God move in real ways in our homes and in our workplaces. And so we're just gonna take four or five minutes here and just do this. And I wanna encourage you, as we sing this, we'll just sing this song, minute ago, but I want you to just be able to sing this again and believe that God is here and that he's ready to receive our heart. He's ready to honor our request for his presence. And he's ready to move in and among us. And so God, I'm asking right now, would you, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, would you begin to shift realities? God, would you put truth in our hearts and in our lungs that we would speak 
we declare, we worship just like those with Nehemiah, that they just declared your truth and they worshiped you, God, and you began to set their feet on a rock. You reestablished who they are and where they were, where you were leading them. God, so I, I pray you would be with us now. Would you walk with us?